0: Next year, in the New Jerusalem, in the, October, uh, in the month of October of 1980, almost exactly 40 years ago to this, this month, two newlyweds had some important decisions to make. Rhonda and I had been married for uh, only three months, and I still had one semester to go at uh, Pensacola Christian College. Uh, but uh, the hours fell in such a way that my fall semester was open, and so since we were young and newly married and, and definitely broke, uh, we decided to save the money, stay here, work, and uh, put some money aside so that we could go back to Pensacola and finish up in January. So we were still in Murfreesboro, newlyweds, Both of our families lived here. Rhonda's family lived in Murfreesboro. My family lived in Murfreesboro as well. And some of you know where I'm going with this. Um, How are we going to handle the holidays? Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. And, of course, Thanksgiving is the first in the lineup. So, specifically, how are we going to handle Thanksgiving? Where would we go? Would we spend... Uh, the time with my family, uh, as we should, or would we go spend the time with Rhonda's family, as we'd better? Uh, uh, or, or would we start our own traditions, uh, because we were uh, our own family, even though even though it was just the two of us at the time? And then that's Thanksgiving. How are we going to handle Christmas? Where would we go? My family, her family, do our own traditions. Uh, for just, the, what about just, you know, there were only two of us at that point, and I have no idea who came up with the solution, probably Rhonda, most likely, uh, but what we decided to do, we said, let's combine Thanksgiving and Christmas and celebrate Thanksgiving slash Christmas on Thanksgiving Day with, with my family, and then on true Christmas Day Everybody can go do whatever they need to do. Go, go to the in-laws, go to Rhonda's family, start your own tradition, whatever it is. So my family took the lesser holiday, if you will, and we encouraged everyone to celebrate with their loved ones in whatever way seemed appropriate. It was brilliant. And I will have to say this, 40 years into this, Rhonda's plan has worked uh, just remarkably well. Very thankful. It's one of the great blessings of our life. There's a side benefit. When you start celebrating Christmas mid-November, you get about six weeks, six or seven weeks of Christmas. The celebration continues for six weeks, and who doesn't love six weeks of Christmas? So that's a side benefit. But there is a side warning that I need to tell you about that if you do this, when you celebrate Christmas early and for six weeks, do not be surprised when your children start playing Christmas music in July. But then again, who doesn't love six months of Christmas music? And so I explain all this uh, to you so that you'll understand why I fervently love uh, Thanksgiving slash Christmas, because Thanksgiving for us is really the start of the Christmas season. And what a celebration we have. Um, uh, My extended family gathers together with my sisters and their spouses and their children, and of course, Rhonda's and, and my family has grown from just the two of us now to a total of 24. Uh, our four children that the Lord blessed us with, with their uh, four wonderful spouses and then our 14 grandkids. This year will be different, of course. Uh, I have so enjoyed The Chosen, uh, which one of our community groups is going through now. It's a series about Jesus and how he chose his disciples. And uh, the first season, there's eight episodes. uh, I strongly recommend that you watch it. And one of the most memorable lines in season one is when Jesus does something extraordinary, which he was prone to do, and he does it, and then the disciples kind of look at each other, and they look back at him, and they're trying to figure out who he is, and what he is, and just what's going on. And Jesus catches their looks going back and forth, and, and then he says something that kind of snaps them out of their amazement. He says, get used to different. I like that. I think as Christians we better get used to different, because our lives are supposed to be different. As a matter of fact, I like that so much that I wear this little thing from The Chosen this little armband that says get used to different. So this year, get used to different. It is 2020, after all. So our 2020 Christmas slash Thanksgiving Day will be different. We're trying to get used to different. Justin and Bethany are overseas with their munchkins, and so we'll try to do some FaceTime for them, even though they're 12 hours ahead, and we're going to have to do the time calculation make sure that we're not doing that in the middle of the night for them. My mom and dad are uh, in assisted living, and they have been on a virtual lockdown for more than six months now. So unless a miracle happens in the next few weeks, uh, we'll be doing some FaceTime with them as well. But even with the obstacles that we face, Thanksgiving Day/Christmas Day slash Christmas Day it's still my favorite day of the year, and it's a day that I look forward to in great anticipation. And in some way, I think that Jesus looked forward to celebrating the Lord's Supper in that same way, probably a whole lot more. Is recorded in Luke chapter 22. When the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. Then he said to them, I have fervently desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. As an observant Jew, Jesus looked forward to celebrating Seder or the Passover Supper every single year of his life. Growing up, he would have celebrated Seder with his family, but now he wants to celebrate Seder or Passover with his disciples. But this Passover is going to be different. This will become known as the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper. It's the last Passover before the incarnate Lamb of God would be sacrificed. Let's pray. Father, we thank You that You spared not Your Son, but sent Him to be our sacrifice, to be our Passover Lamb, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We thank You, Father, that You did what You did not require of Abraham in the sacrifice of his son Isaac, but You sent Your Son Jesus who came willingly and gave His life for us. And so now as we remember that, as we remember the supper that Jesus had with His disciples, the night He was betrayed and arrested, the day before He died for our sins, I pray, Lord, that this will be truly a memorable time where we will be obedient to You and do this in remembrance of You. In Your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. We are in Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, and I'm going to work through the the passage of Scripture uh, in order. I'm not going to read the whole passage at the beginning, so go with me here. Luke chapter 22, verse 7. Hear the word of the Lord. Then the day of unleavened bread came when the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, Go! And make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare it, they asked him. Listen, he said to them. When you've entered the city, a man carrying a water jug will meet you. Follow him into the house he enters. Tell the owner of the house, the teacher asks you, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover with my disciples? Verse 12. Then he will show you a large furnished room upstairs. Make the preparations there. So they went and found it just as He had told them, and they prepared the Passovers. I want to I concentrate on four words today from the passages of Scripture here in Luke 22. The first word that I want you to look at is the word prepare. It's mentioned several times in here. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, Go and make preparations. root word is prepare. And they asked Him, Where do you want us to prepare it? And then he tells them about the upper room where they will celebrate the Lord's Supper. And he says, make the preparations there. So they went and found it, just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. I want you to concentrate on the word prepare. Jesus prepared for his disciples. You know that from reading this passage of Scripture that he'd already worked it out with the owner of this house, with the owner of this upper room. He'd already worked that out. Now, he left the disciples, specifically Peter and John, to do the gathering of the foods that would be used in the Passover. But Jesus went ahead of them and prepared. He didn't have to do it that way. You do realize that Jesus, the Son of God, the one who fed 5,000 on one occasion, and 4,000 on another occasion, the one who walked on water, the one who had just a week and a half, two weeks before this, had raised Lazarus from the dead. You do realize that Jesus could have said, preparation's done. All details worked out. And yet he chose to not do it that way. Why? I think it's because he wanted the disciples to share in the joy of that day and in anticipation. He didn't have to do it this way, but he chose to have the disciples participate with him. So I see step one, Jesus prepared for his disciples. Step two, I see Jesus communicated to his disciples. Not only did Jesus do the preparation, then he told the disciples what was going to happen. He told them, go into the city, look for a man carrying a water jug. This kind of unusual. Normally it was the women who were carrying the water jugs. He said, look for a man carrying a water jug. Follow him to the house and then talk to the man who owns the house and say, where's the room that the teacher needs for the celebration of the Seder? So Jesus communicated to his disciples. Once again, he could have breathed it into their hearts and their minds and they could have understood it, but he spoke to them. So Jesus prepared for his disciples. Jesus communicated to his disciples. Step three. The disciples acted. And they acted in obedience. They did what the Lord commanded them to do. And then step four, the disciples found it just as Jesus said they would. No surprise there. And this four-step process applies to us. We are disciples of Jesus. Jesus has prepared things for us to do. Later on, the Scriptures say that we are prepared to do good works for His honor and glory. Jesus has prepared work for us to do. He didn't have to do it this way. He chose to do it this way. He wants us to participate with Him. Doing the Lord's work is a lot like preparing for the Seder Supper. What Jesus tasked Peter and John to do is a lot like what the ladies of this church have done on two or three different occasions when we celebrated Passover together, a Seder Supper, and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's easy for me to say. I say, let's have a Lord's Supper. And Rhonda and Myra and Laura and other ladies of the church are going, okay, are you sure? Can we take this year off? <laughs> because it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. Now, we've celebrated Seder here before, and, and uh, I put in the request Uh, for us to be able to do it uh, this next year upcoming uh, if coronavirus will uh, move away a little bit. So we've celebrated Seder here, and it's a lot of preparation. It's a lot of work. And doing the Lord's work is a lot like Seder. It just doesn't happen. There's real preparation and planning. I'm thinking about Awana and all the work that goes into Awana every Wednesday night and the teachers who prepare, and the helpers who come, and, and J.J. and Laura who do all the administrative. And we had a family that, that visited with us just this Wednesday night for the first time with four boys, and they just fit right in went went right to work. That just doesn't happen by itself. People have got to do the work. The disciples of Jesus have got to do the work, and we need help. So we see that Jesus prepares things for us to do but then he communicates to us too and how does he do that he does that through his word are you in it are you in his word are you listening and once you've heard from him are you acting the disciples did Jesus prepared Jesus communicated the disciples acted and surprise surprise they found it exactly as the Lord said it would be Once you've heard from Jesus as to what you're supposed to be doing, are you doing that? I promise you that if you do, you will find it exactly as he said you would. So the first word today is the word prepare. The second word is the word fervently. When the hour came, he reclined at the table, verse 14. And the apostles with him, then he said to them, I have fervently desired to eat this Passover with you fervently that's a very powerful word but before I get to the word fervently there's another word I want you to look at too it's the word recline as mentioned in Sunday school I think JD mentioned it Jesus was perfectly at home with his disciples he's reclining at the table with his disciples we talked about the Lord's Supper, the the Last Supper painted by Leonardo da Vinci and how they're all sitting in western chairs, very similar to what we're all sitting in right here today and they're all facing the painter and you can see Jesus in the middle, six disciples on one side, six disciples on the other and if you know some of the story, you know who's who and uh, you can look for the salt on the table to see where Judas is um, that's not how the Lord's Supper went down, they were Jesus was reclining. He's perfectly comfortable at a supper with those he loved. And that's the beauty of communion. That's the beauty of the Lord's Supper. We are with those that we love, brothers and sisters in Christ. And I love the word that Jesus used here. I have fervently desired to eat this Passover with you. He had looked forward in anticipation to this, such passion. Such anticipation. The word prepare. The word fervently. Third word, suffer. Then he said to them, verse 15, I have fervently desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Suffer. Jesus knew that his time of great suffering was coming and he needed this time with his brothers to prepare for what he knew was ahead. Suffering. Christians suffer. There's a theory out there that when a person becomes a Christian, he or she is free from sin and stops sinning. I call this the instant sanctification theory. But that's not how God takes care of us. After we trust Him. Did you hear in the song today? Saved to sin no more. That time has not yet come. There is no instant sanctification. The Lord is working on us through the Holy Spirit to bring us into conformity with the image of His Son. There's another theory out there that when a person becomes a Christian, he or she won't have problems anymore. I call this the instant glorification theory. No problems. No no physical problems, no financial problems, no emotional problems. By the way, this is also known as the prosperity gospel, and that too is false. Because that is not how God chooses to work with us after we trust in Jesus Christ. We Christians are not perfect, and our problems are not all solved, and we have pain. Have you been following the... Supreme Court nomination of Amy Coney Barrett. I've been following loosely, and I've done some research, and, and I saw her in a video explaining the process of how her family came to be. And I wanted to share this with you. So the Barretts had a daughter, firstborn daughter, Emma, and then they adopted a young lady from Haiti, Vivian, They had done their research and learned that Haiti was one of the poorest nations in the world, and I'm pretty sure it is the poorest nation in the Western Hemisphere, at least it was until Venezuela might have passed it up recently. But Haiti is close enough to the United States that the Barretts felt like they could be involved in ministry there, and they could take the family and be involved in ministry. So they had... Emma, and then they had Vivian from Haiti, and then they had another daughter, and then they had a son, Liam, and they decided that they wanted to adopt yet again another child from Haiti, and so they were in process of trying to adopt a little boy by the name of John Peter. But as is often the case in adoptions, there were snafus and mess-ups, and the paperwork just, it just wasn't going anywhere, and so the authorities had told them it's just a tangled mess. It doesn't look like we're going to be able to sort through this. And so mentally and emotionally, the Barrett's just said, okay, well, we just can't deal with this right now. And So they, they, they closed the door. Not officially, but they closed the door in their mind and hearts. Now Liam was, their son was less than a year old at this point. And then in January, there was a devastating earthquake in Haiti. And the adoption agency called them and said, Um, anybody who still had their paperwork in, if you had an adoption and it was ongoing and you want to proceed with it, we're going to waive all the paperwork and you may have this child. Do you want him? And I think it was on that very day that Amy Coney Barrett realized that she was expecting another child. So they had an intense three-hour period where they had to decide, are we going to go through with the adoption? Are we going to go down to Florida and pick up John Peter from Haiti. They had really wanted five kids, but now this was going to be number five and number six within a very short period of time. So Amy put her coat on, walked outside. She's a law professor at Notre Dame. It's pretty cold in Indiana at that time of year. She walked to the cemetery on campus and she sat down on one of the benches there and, and she was thinking through this and, and now I'm going to quote her. This is what she said. Okay, well, if life's really hard, at least it's short. But I thought, what greater thing can you do than raise children? You hear that heart? That's the heart of a Christian who understands that everything we're going through here is temporary. No matter what the pain is, no matter what the heartache is, all of this is that big in the scope of eternity. Our hardship, our suffering, temporary. And Jesus knew that too. He knew that his suffering would be soon over And done with, and then glory awaited him. Just this week, Ron and I received word of a dear high school friend who had had to have surgery for cancer, and her latest report had just come back, and it was not encouraging at all. Christians, we suffer. So those are three of the four words that I want to share with you from this passage today, and I I will share the fourth word with you in a moment, but right now... I want to ask you to celebrate the lord's Supper with us now we've never celebrated like this before, so this will be a bit different and Let me just say this, if you uh, are new to us and you have not uh, ever been here before and and um if if you are a follower of, follower of jesus christ and and you have no known sin in your life, we invite you. we practice open communion by open communion. What we mean by that is that Uh, We welcome other brothers and sisters who may not be members of this church to participate with us. And to facilitate the remembrance of what Jesus and his disciples experienced some 2,000 years ago at that Lord's Supper, we're going to do something that we've never done before. I'm going to ask all families to kind of get into circles or ovals. Just get up right now, move and get into circles or ovals, families can come together. And, uh, and once we're in position, we will then celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Oh, when you put your circle or your oval together, leave a little space for the deacon to get in. So uh, I also want to say this, that uh, obviously this is different. Uh, than how we normally celebrate the Lord's Supper. So the circles are different. But we also are going to to um, pass the elements out twice. And, um, and I'll explain why we're doing that in, in just a moment. Um, but normally when we do the Lord's Supper, we have the fruit of the vine, and then we have the bread. We take the bread first... And then we take the fruit of the vine. And that's how we remember what Jesus told us to do. It's going to be a little bit different. Because this time we're going right through the scriptures. And we're going to do the cup first, then the bread. And then we're going to have a short musical interlude. And then we're going to come back and we're going to do the bread first and then the cup. Because it follows right along in the passage. And if you've ever been part of a Jewish Passover or a Seder supper you will notice that there are four cups, and you eat bread throughout the meal. And so sometimes when you, and Ken and I were talking about that this morning, sometimes when you read through this passage, it gets confusing. The cup first, then the bread, and then there's another cup. That's because it was a Jewish Passover meal. So hopefully that will be meaningful to you as well. And uh, we will actually be working right through the passage here from Luke chapter 22 Verse 17, then he took a cup and after giving thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. Father, as we celebrate what your son did for us, help us to truly reflect on the enormity of your love for us and the love that Jesus had for us in giving himself for us. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. different than what we've had in the past now so you might want to very carefully take that top there so that you can get to the the bread but we're going to take the fruit of the vine first so you can go ahead and open that now then he took a cup and after giving thanks he said take this and share it among yourselves. For I tell you, from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. This is the blood of the new covenant. Drink ye all of it. And he took bread and gave thanks, broke it, gave it to them, and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So later on in that Seder Supper, that Passover Supper, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, gave it to them and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, This cup... is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Drink ye all of it. So, this morning, we have looked at three words so far. We have looked at prepare, fervently, suffer. Can you guess what the fourth word is? Verse 20 of Luke 22 says... In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. Prepare, fervently, suffer. The fourth word is new. One day, the Lord Jesus will make all things new. Jesus instituted the new covenant at the Lord's Supper that night long ago. And things have never been the same since. The old is passing away, the new is coming, and yet here we are, still sinning, still suffering. And you may say, But, Brother Kevin, why? He has not made all things new yet. He's in the process. It's going to happen. You may say, But, Brother Kevin, I'm anxious about the future of our nation. I'm confused about the election. What's going to happen? I don't know, but I know this. Jesus is busy making all things new. And so what shall we do? Prepare fervently. We may be called upon to suffer, but a new day is coming. Revelation chapter 19, 6-9. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, these are the true words of God. So today we've thought about that first supper that Jesus instituted, the New Covenant. we thought about the Lord's Supper as we've celebrated today, but we are looking forward to another supper, the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. Uh, will you be there? You're invited. How about your friends and family? Please make sure please make sure that they know that they're invited to. One of the things that happens in a Seder Supper is they end with a saying, because most Jews are not necessarily in Jerusalem. They end with the saying, they say, next year in Jerusalem. Well, Rhonda and I had the opportunity of celebrating the Lord's Supper at the Garden Tomb a year ago, and I brought this as a memento of when we celebrate, that was a memorable Lord's Supper. And I say unto you, you, next year in the New Jerusalem, let's pray. Father, we look forward to the time when all the pain and suffering will be done. All the sin and trespasses will be atoned for. And we can rest in you. But until then, Lord, help us to be strong Help us to prepare. Help us to be ready, to be ready in season and out of season. Lord, if we are to suffer for you, strengthen us. For we look forward to the time when all things will be made new. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.